Man, you ever, you ever been so happy you feel like you're going to hyperventilate? <laughs> you know, where it's just like, oh, I, I don't know, I just feel like I've just been feeling that so much more lately. And this whole series on joy, I, I, you know, I was at the men's retreat with the guys and there's so many great things going on, you know, in my boat. There's a couple guys that don't believe in God and, and it was cool because... Three years ago, I was on a boat with a guy who was just mocking the things we were doing and just going, ah, you know, the cult, whatever. And he's the very guy that was sharing the Lord with these other guys that didn't believe. And you're just going, ah, it just doesn't get any better than this, you know. And then and you do the typical guy stuff, you know. And, you know, Friday night, Friday night, we were, uh, it was midnight, Friday night, and there's a full moon. I was like, let's go wakeboarding, you know. And just uh, 10 of us jumped on a ski boat at midnight. And there was just something about being drugged in this dark lake lit by the moon, you know, on a wakeboard. I'm just like, God, I am so happy right now. You know, just water splashing on my face going, 10 of my buddies on the boat ready to sink. You know, it's just, God, this is, it just, life doesn't get any better than this. And just, just thanking God, praising God. Man, have you had a, have you had a joyful week? You know, did the sermon last week do anything for you? Just, just focusing on the right things and being filled with God's joy so much that you, you just can't even contain it, you know? If you didn't have a good week, i got some good news for you. Good news for you. I was, I was eating Cheetos the other day, and uh, I noticed on the wrapper, Cheetos now have zero grams of trans fat. Oh, isn't that great? That's so great. Oh, man, because I know how you're worried. You know, as a kid, you're like, oh, no, Mom, I can't eat those. I might have like two or three grams of trans fat. I've always worried about it. Well, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's gone. Okay, no grams of trans fat. Um, I, I looked at that and I thought, man, that's so dumb. <laughs> what are they trying to fool us? Oh, they're healthy now. Um, don't worry, no trans fat. And, and it, it made me look at the ingredients because I realized my whole life, have I ever thought about what is a Cheeto? <laughs> Seriously. Has it ever even entered your mind? Like, what is this thing I'm throwing into my mouth? I mean, I'm just shoveling them in, but what is it? You know, I know what a Doritos are. You know, it's a tortilla chip that you just fry to death and, you know, and throw some junk on it. But what, what it really is a Cheeto? <laughs> That's cool, huh? You, you learn a lot of good things at church. It, it's a... Uh, it's just a bunch of cornmeal, you know, and, and I was reading through the, the, the ingredients, um, partially hydrogenated soybean oil, maltodextrin, disodium phosphate, artificial flavor, monosodium glutamate, lactic acid, artificial colors, including yellow six. <laughs> Sounds like good stuff for you, huh? You know, I just went through his list and I'm going, I don't even know what these things are. It just doesn't sound good to be eating yellow six. Um, <laughs> but, but you know what, what, what I thought about when I, I saw this, I just thought, you know what, this, this is what a lot of Christians look like to me. You know, seriously, what we do is we put on the label, we come to church and we just talk about that one good thing in our life. You know, and we boast about the good side and we hide the true ingredients of who we really are. We'll come in here and we'll go, hey, guess what? I've been to church every Sunday this, this month. I teach Sunday school or I give 10% of my income. I, I serve here. I do this. I don't swear anymore. I don't drink. I don't sleep with anyone. You know, whatever it is, we, we say these things and we throw out that one thing that's good and then we hide all the other stuff in fine print and that's really what we're made of. But we put on this label, hey, no trans fat. 
You know, and what's, what's crazy about this, do you, do you know what uh, partially hydrogenated soybean oil is? Trans fat. But it's less than a gram, so they say zero grams. You know, and it's just, gosh, this is totally what we do in the Christian world. We'll, we'll like throw out something about ourselves to make everyone believe that we're such a good Christian. Thinking, well, this is what I do. And I was like, oh, wow, really? You went on a missions trip eight years ago? Oh, praise the Lord. What a godly man. What a godly woman. Meanwhile, your life's falling apart. There's all sorts of junk inside of you. You just, you just keep it inside. And you label yourself with something positive so everyone will just focus on that. Guys, that's not Christianity. That's the very thing that turns the whole world off to Christianity is when we come here and we just boast about that one good thing we do or don't do and think that that's what makes us a good Christian. You guys, what the Bible teaches, what God teaches, you know what Jesus thinks is a good Christian? He's a good Christian is someone who's just at the core of their being is madly in love with me. He says, you know what a good Christian is? You know what's most important to me? That you love me with every fiber of your being. See, Jesus was asked, he said, hey, what's the most important command in the world? He goes, just love me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all of your mind, every ounce of being that you have, just, just you're crazy, you're madly in love with him. Is that true of you? See, a Christian is someone who finds so much pleasure in this relationship with God. It's not a guy that's just trying to buy, obey a bunch of rules. It's a person who's just madly in love with God. And because you love him, it's like, man, I don't want to do the things that offend you. I'm crazy about you. Absolutely madly in love with you. That's what a Christian is. Someone who finds that pleasure in him. Is that what you are? Is that really the true ingredient in your life? that you're just marked as a man or woman who is just madly in love with God. Rejoicing in Him this week. You know, I, I want to... Um, there's this passage of Scripture I want to look at today, and, and it's so... I just realized this about myself yesterday. I never took this passage seriously as a command of God. But it's, uh, it's Philippians 4.4. Many of us have heard it. We could quote it. Where he says... Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice? I never took that as a serious command. Because in my mind, commands are, thou shall not commit murder. It's like, okay, I won't. You know, and it's just this negative, don't do that, that's a command. But then you get a command, and this is every bit of command. This is written in the imperative. He says, rejoice. And you go, oh, come on. That's not a command. It's too happy to be a command. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. The word rejoice means to be cheerful. God says be cheerful in me in this love relationship with me because you're so happy to be in a relationship with me. Just be cheerful all the time. Be glad in me all the time. Rejoice in me always. And, and, and you go, well, is that really a command? Yeah, it is. Just because it's happy doesn't mean it's not a command. In fact, think about it. Do you know of any other verse in Scripture that's written like this, where he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and then right after he goes, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Just in case you missed it two seconds ago. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. 
Do you get that? I want you to rejoice. I want you to be cheerful. I want you to be glad that you're in this love relationship with me because that's what this is about. You guys, when the Bible talks about this, this, this following of God, he, he says specifically in John 15, Jesus says, I'm not calling you my slaves. Jesus says that. I do not call you my slaves because a slave does not know his master's business. Is Instead, I call you what? Friends. Friends. You're my friends. This is a friendship. It's a friendship with God. God, when He describes the church, He says, you're my bride. Bride. And, and he, he, he talks about the groom coming one day for His bride. Jesus says, you know, to all who received Him, all who believed in His name, He gave them the right to become what? Children of God. You're my children. You're my bride. You're my friend. You understand, what's He trying to communicate here? What is God Almighty trying to communicate to me? He's saying, man, I want intimacy with you. I want to have a relationship with you that brings you so much pleasure. You're just crazy about me. And I want you to rejoice. Rejoice that you're in this love relationship with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Has that been you? Isn't that a great command? Just saying, okay, so you want me always happy? You want me always cheerful to be in a relationship with you? What if you really pulled that off? Picture, what, what if for, when you walk out the doors today, you just rejoiced all the time for the rest of your life until you got to heaven? Then you rejoiced even more. Sounds like a pretty good existence, huh? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And he says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. He goes, because you're rejoicing me all the time, then, then let everyone else see this gentleness you have. See, this idea, this word gentleness, it's, it's hard to really translate because it's really the word appropriateness. And it's the idea of that you act or respond appropriately to situations. It's the whole idea of when you're in love, you respond differently to situations. You, you really respond appropriately to situations. Like, remember when you first fell in love? You, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about being madly in love. I mean, not that you're not more madly in love. I understand that. Okay, I'm more in love with my wife than ever. I'm just saying, you know, when you, that, that infatuation stage where you think about them the whole time. And you're just like, no way. You know, I'm in this relationship. And what did you do with your problems? Problems still came into your life, but they just didn't really seem to matter, did they? It's just like, all right, so what? I wrecked my car. You know, I'm in love. You know, and it's, it's just, that's the appropriateness. It's like, I'm in this relationship, and that's so much greater than this issue. You're not going to make me mad because I'm in love right now. And it's that same mentality. God's saying, would you just be in this relationship where you're just rejoicing that you know the God of the universe? He's your dad, He's your groom. He's your friend. He's, a, he's your best friend in the most intimate relationships with me. Just rejoice in that so much that you respond to things appropriately. And let everyone see that. What does it mean to respond appropriately? Let your gentleness, your appropriateness, appropriate. Three, three weeks ago I was golfing. Golfing with some friends of mine. And uh, you know, one, of, one of my friends, I've never beat in golf, this guy Jesse, but, oh, I was on fire. And I, I just thought, this is my day. I, I could do no wrong, just nailing it. I'm right there, neck and neck. And we get in this one hole, and I just 
drill my drive, but it actually went too far through the fairway into the rough. Thank you. But, um, but then, then, you know, it's in the rough, and I hit it, and, uh, you know, and I kind of hit this branch and, you know, hurt my wrist, and it just kind of pops up. I'm like, oh. So I hit it again, and I get it out of there, but it goes right in a sand trap. I'm like, oh. You know, and then I just hit it out of the sand again, but it doesn't go out of the sand. It just pops straight up, comes right back down, and I just grab my club, and I just threw it, you know. It's like, ah. That's not appropriate. Okay? That... That, that's, that's what you call inappropriate, you know, and, and it just, pray for me. I, I, you know, it's, it's weird, you know, because I was so rejoicing before that, like, ah, oh, thank you, Lord, great weather, I'm winning. You know, every, and, and it's amazing, you know, and that, I, this is a weakness, you know, like I, I'll take my mind off of God and I'll get focused on competition, you know, and I'll just, that's just all in my mind. And, and then the whole idea, what would have been appropriate? Appropriate is to never take your mind off of God, to rejoice and to go, gosh, you know what? I'm in love with the God of the universe. How does that compare to hitting a little white ball? It's like, who even cares? Who even cares? You know, and it's this whole idea of, is, is that what you're known for? This person where it's evident to everyone that, you know what, you, you deal with things appropriately. Do people know you as a person that someone can come to you all angry and you're just like, no big deal. There's something I deal with, I'll work it out, and yeah, I'm in love with God. Yeah, things in my life, they're, they're not perfect, and I've got problems, but I'm not going to sit there and worry about it. I'm in love with God right now. He says, make that, and be so much in love with God that it's evident to everyone. Rejoice so much that everyone sees. And then it says, the Lord is near. And you can, you can really uh, um, interpret that one of two ways. The idea of the Lord being near could, can refer to, you know, who cares? I mean, God of the universe is right here. He's inside of me. He's present with me. The other idea between the Lord is near is also in this book of Philippians, Paul talks about uh, you know, the return of Christ and the whole thought that, you know what, any moment Christ is going to return for me. He's going to return for his bride. There's going to be this marriage, there's going to be this union at any second. So why does this stuff even matter? You know, let me have this, you know, in fact, one commentator translates that word gentleness as sweet reasonableness. Someone's just so reasonable. Someone's just so sweet, just so joyful to be around. So in love that the problems aren't going to destroy them. And, and he goes on and he says, Do not be anxious about anything. This is a verse many of us know. Do not be anxious about anything. Think about that. We all know the verse. I just wonder if there's anyone here that's actually done this. Don't be anxious about anything. imagine what if we walked out this the picture yourself you're walking out the sanctuary and for the rest of the time of your whole life you never worried again not only is that possible it's commanded that tells me it's possible but you understand that can you imagine how good life would be just picture the rest of your existence how good it would be if you never, ever worried about anything. See, sometimes we'll look at a, a verse like that and go, come on, anything? Let me hold on to like, the big things. And it's almost like we want to hold on to some of this, thinking that if, we could, if we're allowed to worry a little bit, that would kind of ease the pain of this or something, like, like it's a bad thing. You know, it's like telling a doctor, okay, I know I have cancer, get rid of most of it. 
But I, if I just save a little bit, allow me to have some of it in my life. Let me have a little anxiety. Let me have a little worry. I've got to have a little stress. Come on, God, let me keep a little. A little bit isn't good because a little bit is going to spread. You want it all out in the same way saying, you know, it's so much easier to live the Christian life if you just go cold turkey. Just say, you know, I'm not going to worry again about anything. I don't care how big it is. I'm letting it go. None of it. You know, I was really convicted because when I was teaching at the men's retreat this week, I, I was, uh, they, they had me teach Ephesians 5. And in it, there's this, this verse that says, don't even let a hint of immorality, impurity, or greed be in you, you know, which is uh, uh, improper for God's holy people. He goes, I don't even want a hint of it. You know, because I'll look at this and I'll go, gosh, you know, you remember, you know, Christmas time? I was pretty stressed out. My heart, I was having problems. I, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I was probably like at an 8 of stress level. I'm probably at a 2 right now. That's awesome, man. For the last 8, 9 months, I've been like at a 2. I don't, I don't worry about hardly anything. And God's going, I don't even want a hint of that. I said, don't worry about anything. Man, what a great way to live. Really? I, I mean, and you go, well, is that possible? A few verses later, what's Philippians 4.13? You guys know it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, I, the thought that I really can't. See, I've never taken this seriously. I've never taken it as something that's really possible. It's almost like this ideal to always rejoice. And it's like, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm going to really believe this, that I can do this, that I can rejoice always and not stop and not stop for a while to dwell on problems and focus on them and get bummed out and then go back to rejoice. No, I, I want to just never worry again. You, you know, because this was so powerful to me. I've read it a million times, memorized it as a kid. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, you say, don't worry about anything. Just give it all up in prayer. Now, this weekend... I feel like it's one of those times where God just opened my eyes again to really how bad it is when I worry. Because, think about this. When I pray, and I still worry about the situation, well, let me put it to you this way, okay. How many, how many of you have ever been in a position where you were in charge, like you were just a supervisor or a boss, and wh whatever it was, whatever it was, you didn't have to be the owner, but you just had people working under you that you could give assignments to. Anyone been in that position? Okay? Okay? A lot of you. Okay, let me ask you something. When you gave someone an assignment, did you worry about that assignment getting done? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we usually do. Now, let me ask you something else. Were there ever times when you would give someone an assignment and then you didn't worry and you knew they would get it done? Okay? Why? Okay, okay Rob, when you gave someone an assignment and you were sure it was going to get it done, why were you sure it was going to get it done? From their, from their past history, they're capable of doing it. You trusted that person. There's other people you give a task to and you go, oh, I better check up. Hey, did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? You know, give them a note, you know, email, call them. You know, you, you, you don't know. But other people, you, seriously, because I've had that. You know, some people you give them a task, you go, oh, man, is it going to come through? Other people you can trust. They have a history. What does that tell you when you give God something and then you worry afterwards? You don't trust Him. That killed me. 
It's like God opened my eyes to that. St. Francis, you give it to me, and then you, you keep worrying it like I, I'm not going to get it done or something, or I didn't really hear you, or that I don't really care about you. It's like, wow. It was like a revelation to me of this verse that I've, I've looked at so many times, and God's just saying, you know what, you can trust me. Then when you give me something and say, okay, you know what, God, here's, here's something for you. Okay, here's my problem, here's my issue. Now you just do whatever is best because I trust you more than I trust myself. I could ask for something, but I might not ask for what's best for me or best for my family. It's not going to work out the best in your plan. So here it is, you just do what's best. And God says, you know what, then let it go. Don't worry, stop it, knock it off right now. Don't worry about anything, just give it to me and then give it to me with thanksgiving. Oh, thank you, I let go of it. I mean, because how many times as a boss have I given something to someone who's, who's working here, and I go, you know what, here it is, and then I just go, oh, thank you for taking care of that. I know it's taken care of. Do I believe that about God? Or do I keep worrying? That, that just absolutely nailed me. He says, if you can do that, he says, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because that's when we're going to have peace. It's when you trust, and you let go, and go, here it is, I'm done with it. God's got it now. Then he says, you can have the peace of God. That means the peace that God has, I can have. Think about that. See, because the reason why we don't have peace is, is we don't know what's going to happen, right? You don't have peace over situations. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You worry about it. But what if you're God and you already wrote down what's going to happen? And you know what's going to happen in the future. You've got it all laid out. I just don't picture God on his throne ever going, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? You know, and, you know, it's just, it, he knows. He's sitting on his throne in perfect peace. And the Bible says, I can have the peace of God. I can have that same peace where I'm just sitting back going, he's in charge. I'm not worried about it. And the peace of God will guard my heart and guard my mind and, and just choosing not to worry again. I'll let it go. Just to let it go. And then uh, verse 8, you know, some people stop right there and I think verse 8 is really a key to this because he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He goes, man, have your mind dwell on these things. What does God want us thinking about? Run through the list. Whenever you have a thought in your head, run through this list and go, okay, the thing that I'm thinking about right now, is it honorable? Is it right? Is it lovely? Is it pure? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Is that what God wants me thinking about right now? Is it praiseworthy? See, those are the things that we should let our minds think think about, to actually dwell and meditate on them. And, and I, I know what some people are thinking. You're going, what are you saying? You want me to just kind of lose touch with reality and pretend there's no problems, keep my head in the clouds and just dwell on God and rejoice? You guys, I've thought this through. I am not asking you to lose sight of reality. I am asking you this morning to get a grip on reality that regardless of how big you think your issues and problems are, in reality, 
they don't match up to the cross. That's reality. Okay, that your little light and momentary, I know you think it's the biggest thing in the world, but compared to eternity, compared to the forgiveness you have in Jesus, it's nothing. You're going to see that one day. And that's reality. And the reality is, yeah, you know what? I should keep my head in the clouds because I'm not of this world. This isn't my home. This is just a little place I'm dwelling in for a little while compared to the forgiveness and the eternity that I have in God. You know, like when Mark was leading us in worship and that verse, you know, about all these pleasures at the right hand of God. For me, that's reality. And God's saying that's worthy of dwelling upon is what you have in me, this love relationship you have in me. See, when we dwell on our problems, we glorify our problems. We do. We're just saying, you know what, this is something that's worthy for my mind to dwell on right now. It's that great, that important, that praiseworthy, I'm going to dwell on it because it's that big. And we really are bringing glory to our issues, glory to our problems. You see, when you, when you dwell on a problem, if, if, you, uh, if you focus on a problem, I've got a problem. Now, now let's say, what, what happens when you stare at your problem? You start looking at all the facets of it. And pretty soon, man, we've all done this, where pretty soon it just consumes you and that's all you can see. All you can see is this problem, right? And you walk around, everyone's like, wow, looks like you got a problem, you know? And are like, yeah, it's written all over my face. You know, it's just, yeah, you know, that's just all, you, you know, you're just, you're just focused on it. You're just so intense. I can see it. And you guys, you want to be known as that? You want to be known as a person that, that has that problem or, or worse, oh, he's got so many problems. You know, it's just, you, you just go, gosh, you know, that's what you glorify. It's like, oh, there's the guy with all the problems. There's the girl with all the problems. You know, and it's like, gosh, I don't want to do that. He says, don't let your mind dwell on that. That's not worthy of your time. That's not worthy of your mind. Just give it up to me. Give, give me the, here God, here's the problem. You do what's best with it. Oh, cool. I gave those to God. I'm done with them. They're gone. I'm not going to look at them again. You know what, God? You just make it work out. Make it work out however you think. I trust you. Thank you. With thanksgiving, I give it to you. It's done with. Oh, I'm going to go back just rejoicing over the fact that, gosh, I could give that up to God. That's so cool. My dad up there cares about me. He loves me. The groom, my friend, God Almighty, I just gave it to him. Oh, this is great. I'm just going to go around rejoicing, 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 always, always rejoicing. Issue comes up, here it is. Go back to rejoicing. That's the way, that's the way my dad wants me to live. That's the way the father wants me to live. He just wants me to be this little kid, not all stressed out. This little kid, just go back to your plane. Go back to just telling everyone what a great dad I am. Okay, and I'll take care of your problem. I'll work it out. Just trust me. Just trust me. This is so, so good. You know, for me, this passage has always been one of those yabbit passages where it's like, yeah, but does anyone really do that? You know, yeah, but can I really never worry again? Yeah, but... I'm, de- I'm a pastor, so I'm dealing with spiritual things, so it's okay to worry about spiritual things. Yeah, but, you know, never again worry and always... Does- and do I know anyone that's ever always rejoicing? And all these excuses 
of why not. You know, my favorite, my favorite excuse I always had with this passage was, yeah, but I wasn't really born with that type of uh, genetic disposition, you know, where, you know, some people, they're born, and it's like, hee-hee, you know, and their, their whole life is just happy, happy, happy. That's not me. That's never been me. God, you didn't make me like that. You made me as a problem solver to give me the problems of the world and let me dwell on it and solve all these issues. I mean, I just, I, I just really would believe these lies. Like, you know what? That's just not natural for me. I mean, you know how you have those childhood memories and you remember what you are as a kid and you remember certain instances? I totally, I was thinking about this. I remember, I remember childhood things where I, I remember my aunt looking me in the face one day and just going, why are you never happy, you know? And, uh, and I just ran, you know, that's just what she thought of me. And I, I don't know, like, oh, problems, problems, you know? And, you know, it's just, wasn't a happy kid. Gosh, I totally remember. I just thought about this weekend. This one time my dad was cooking this big fish. In Chinese, we just throw the whole fish in there, you know, the head and suck on it. And, uh, and I remember just seeing this fish on the counter, you know, and the mouth always goes like this big frown. And I remember just walking by and go, wow, you know, that fish looks pretty sad. And my dad goes, that how you always rook, you know. <laughs> and uh, that... You know, it's just like that was his impression of me. That how you always rook, you know? And, you know, in my mind, I'm going, well, if you didn't beat me every day, you know, it's just this whole thing of, you know, so I look at a passage like this and go, you know what, I'm not the happy guy rejoicing all the time, you know? And it's like, that's not who I am. That's not my personality. And I had all these reasons why this isn't me. This isn't really a command. I can't really pull this off. And you guys, I'm just done with it. I'm just done. I'm just going, you know what, Lord? I surrender. Okay, I'll be happy. You know? And, and realizing, God, this is the greatest thing in the world. Just been so free and going, I literally don't have to worry about another thing. In fact, I'm commanded not to. And I don't have to solve the problems of the world. That's not my job. You know, I give it up to the Lord. Even this weekend on men's retreat, I'm like, gosh, how do I convince these guys to believe in God? You know, these guys, and just realizing, it's not my job. God, you pursue them. You pursued me. We're not in this room because, you know, you got manipulated into believing it by some preacher. It was God somehow. You can't even explain it. Just worked and orchestrated everything. He went after you. And it's just like, okay, God, you that with all these other guys on the boat. Do it with these two guys. Do them also. I'm done, you know. I'll go back to rejoicing. Rejoicing and letting them see the joy that's in my life so it's something they actually want. You guys are rejoicing in the Lord. Wouldn't that be so cool if we really did this stuff? I'm going for it. I, I, I give you the license. Any, any, any time you see me around town, wherever, just go, what are you thinking about? You know? What are you dwelling on right now? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to just hide behind anything. I want to truly, truly just experience the joy of the Lord. And I feel like I've got it more than ever. And the more I have of it, it's like the more I want it. This is a great way to live. It's an awesome feeling knowing that God is my dad and he's looking at me going, kid, I just, I just want you to stop worrying about everything. Dad's got it in control. Go play. Go laugh again. And I'm going to do it. And I want to do it for the rest of my life. I really, I really believe that I can never worry again. Not because there's anything great about me, but because of the Holy Spirit in me. And I know that if I pull that off, I'm going to be the happiest man on earth. And that's where I want to be.
And that's what God wants me to be. Good goals. You know, um, sometimes we, uh, we um, have a prayer time, you know, where I have you find like four or five people and just write their names down. Then, then you share like, hey, okay, what, what's the hardest thing in your life right now? And I thought, you know, let's do something different this week. You know, let's, I, I do want you to write people's names down, just like four or five people just around you. Write their name down. But rather than just saying the worst thing in your life and bumming each other out, let's, um, why don't we say, you know, what's the greatest thing that God's doing in your life right now? What's just the coolest thing that's going on in your life right now that you want to thank God for? And as you look at that list of names that you have during the week, you know, not, you know, not, there's nothing wrong with praying for prayer requests. That's important, and we need to do that. I'm just saying, let's try something different this week. Let's pray for each other, pray for those people that they would actually have joy all week long. They would, they would take this passage that they learned today and literally rejoice all week long. And every time you're, you're feeling bummed out about something, oh yeah, i got to rejoice. Oh, let me pray for these guys on my list. You know, pray for these girls that, that they rejoice also. That we would just really, truly enjoy God the way it was meant to be. And then Mark...